Oh, jeez. I, <laughs> I, I had to scroll past his notification because I'm getting his – it says call-in app is up to date, see what's new. And I had to scroll and I had to drag this page down to see what the title was. I like it. This is this is one of your better ones. Thank you. Um, yeah, Yasiel Puigs is in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, your Cleveland Indian Yasiel Puig. I, 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 the ESPN article just says Cleveland. Well, we don't I, say that a, on the board anymore. Well, that's because he, he played for the Indians. I'm not going to act he like did. he didn't. I, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not I was in attendance do... for his first game with the with the Indians. It was great. Justin Verlander shoved it up our ass. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is how weird my brain is. I just I remember days based on what happened in that day in sports. I also remember that I dropped what did I drop? I dropped like a sledgehammer on my foot at work and I bought tickets because of that. I'm like, I need I need to cheer up. I just dropped a sledgehammer on my foot and it fucking hurt. And Danny Salazar was starting. That game uh, was like it first started like three years. I can't remember if it was injuries or a combination of injuries and like he just lost his confidence. But it was a big deal. So I went. So me and my friend went. We went to go see Yasiel Puig and Danny Salazar. The first pitch Danny Salazar threw. And when he came up, he was known as like a flamethrower. Back when like throwing 97 was like, oh my God, this guy's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um. He threw his first pitch was a fastball that went 87 miles an hour, and the whole crowd groaned. It was so funny. <laughs> I I was at a game one time. Same. And, oh, I know we were we've been to many. I was at a game in Cleveland at Progressive. Same. Uh, disappointed to say that I've never been to the Jake. I've only been to Progressive Field. Mm. Uh, shame on me as a an Ohio sports fan. Well, a sports fan from Ohio, I should say. That's uh, right. To, to make that more clear. Although I am wearing a Blue Jackets hoodie today. I'm wearing one right now. But I was suck? at a game, and it was the Indians and Tigers. Indians ended up winning the game one nothing in extra innings. The exhilarating game. And there was a pitcher who took a comeback. It was the Indian starting pitch. I don't know if it was Carrasco was or correct. Salazar. Was this the year 2016? I know exactly which game you're talking about. Quite possibly. He took a comeback off the first inning, Broke and then it was hand. a bullpen game. Yep. That was Carlos Carrasco, actually. And then and that, Jay, Jay Rim had a single up the middle. Yep. I know game. I know exactly which game you're talking about. It or talking about. I actually know that that game wasn't even on, like, the local STO. It was on, like, Fox Sports 1. That's how stupid my brain is i just remember stupid shit like that but i do remember him breaking his hand because i believe salazar got hurt a few months prior and he was still fine like we still could have used salazar throughout the playoffs and when carrasco got hurt that's when it's like oh my god we're gonna run with three starting pitchers in the playoffs and it worked well, for a while and i could be wrong about this but i i thought that that was like his first start back from the dl you know, back when it was the DL and not the IL. Yeah. Maybe. I, I thought it was his first start back. It's like, great, he's going right back there. Maybe. Um, that sounds right. You know what? Now I'm thinking about it. I think Danny Salazar pitched in the World Series. Did, has he pitched for any other teams? No. I don't think. Was, it, was he involved in some trade? That he was – I think he – I think he – Signed with the Yankees on like a minor league deal, like this year or the previous, but 
I don't think yeah. he's ever been anywhere but Cleveland and the oh. majors. Oh yeah, he was an All Star in 2016. Yeah, he pitched. He pitched in two AAA games for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I remember he started the um, three months basically. He started the wild card game in 2013, and I remember that just being why I wanted obviously Justin Masterson to start, but um, yeah. he started, and I kind of hated him since. There's nothing he can do because I. That was the first time since like 2007 that I was going to see. Well, not that doesn't. It's not even really that long of a time, but since I was going to see them in the playoffs, and I still have nightmares about that game. I was going to say something. Oh yeah, 2013. Well, look, man, it's not his fault that he had zero runs of run support. Not his fault. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean. Yeah, that offense is grounding into every double play possible. But, um, yeah, Yasiel Puig, he made 899 sports bets uh, within a three months. So 100 bets a day, or not 100 bets a day, 100 bets a month. Or wait, what's the – I can't do math right now. Anyway, he made 899 sports bets in three months, which is just an outrageous number. About 10 bets a day. Man, he's just like me. But I don't bet yeah. 10 times a day. That's usually, like, reserved for, like, college football or, like, yeah, Saturdays Saturday. during the college basketball season, of which I am absolutely dominating right now, just by the way. Just sliding that in there, huh? Just got to side. I'm not one to brag about my gambling winnings. This is known. But well, if you fade TCU, you're doing pretty good. Or Louisville. Those two schools. I, I am going against Louisville tonight. I got App State my, uh, plus six. I guarantee you that would have been like plus sixteen if they hadn't already lost two bogus games. What did it? Let's see what it opened at. Let's see. Bellarmine and Wright State. Let's see. I'm gonna see what. Bellarmine still can't play in the NCAA tournament though. Why's that? Because they had that four-year introductory period. Remember? Oh yeah. Same with like James Madison because James Madison. I think is like would I think they're number one in the Sun Belt, if not number two to Coastal in football, and they just can't go, which is so stupid. It's so, so it's, it makes no sense why that why that it I, I don't get I don't get the reason behind it. Hmm. Why is Virginia favored over Coastal? Anyway, um, Yasiel the, Puig. Yes. It, so, from what I read, I, and I didn't read much, um, he was not the biggest face in this gambling ring because he was betting through a third party from some former minor league player. And in the report I read, it said there were others from smaller names to bigger names compared to like Yasiel Puig that is tied up in this. So... Honestly, I think this is going to come down to nothing. Um, other than Yasiel Puig, he's, being, he's the one who's getting punished for it because uh, you can't lie to uh, can't lie to the government. Um, but I, I just I need to see this list. I need to see who's betting. Yeah, I do too, and I'm not entirely sure. Is this about betting on sports? 
specifically? Yes. Like, so was he betting? He wasn't betting on like, baseball. Or it said it was. It was unclear if he was betting on baseball, but of the 899 documented sports bets, they were between basketball, football, and tennis. Hmm. Well, I, I like that he's betting on tennis. That I'm a fan of that. So, uh, man, this to... is just – he's had such a – Wild life. Spiral out of control – Type of life, type of career, everything. His life has just been wild. His freedom story, the story of how he defected to the United States, is incredible. He, I think he, I think he tried to defect from Cuba thirteen times, and obviously the thirteenth time being successful. However, uh, what he never disclosed to the Dodgers upon arriving to the United States is that the Mexican cartel is what is took him in a submarine to Mexico and he just got to the United States that way. So obviously he he owed he probably owed the cartel a good majority of his winnings. And that's where I'm thinking the sports gambling things coming up is where cuz he is always a flashy guy like immediately when he came up with the Dodgers and he went off you you would see him like the next day pulling up in Ferraris and like expensive ass suits and it's like dude and I mean we didn't know that at the time but like there were probably some people behind the scenes that were like, oh, okay. So that's why he probably started sports betting. Yeah, must have been, but that that's incredible. I've never heard that submarine story before. But I remember 2014, I think, in Minnesota, Puig was a starting right fielder for the National League All-Star team. Yeah, he was. And since then, gosh, it's just been... I think he became like the Dodgers' fourth outfielder. And then yeah, he got traded. What was that, the who was the main player in that deal? In what deal? The Yasiel Puig to Cincinnati. Who did Los Angeles get back? Was that like the Homer Bailey contract dump deal? Oh, it may have been. Because the Reds also got Matt Kemp. Uh, yeah. So Matt it may have just been Alex salary Wood dumping from there. both sides. Let's see. Alex Wood was in there, too. Yes, yeah, Let's see. I got you right here. Yeah, it was, uh, Kyle Farmer, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood to the Reds for Homer Bailey, Jeter Downs, and Josiah Gray. Jeter, Jeter Downs got traded in the Mookie Betts deal. That's why I remember that name. He's with the Red, our Red Sox. I can tell you who we traded, or who came with Yasiel Puig to Cleveland. Some, most of which I don't think are here anymore. Wait, um, to Cleveland from Cincinnati? No, who came along uh, with Puig? To yes, Cleveland. To Cleveland. Yeah, oh yeah, I thought you said okay. to Cincinnati from Cleveland. No. Um... Oh, my gosh. I don't have a clue. I just think Trevor Bauer went. I know the Padres had the most to do with that. They yeah. had, like, Logan Allen, I think. Is that the guy's name? I believe we I believe we got him from the Reds. Oh. Um, so we got the Puig, Padres. So we got... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, the uh, Padres yeah, I... gave you Fran Mill. 
you know, the Padres gave us Fran Mill. We also got Yasiel Puig, obviously. Logan Allen, who I don't think are. We have two Logan Allens who are left-handed pitchers in our system. And one came up and was awful. And I believe we've already let go of them. I don't remember if it's this Logan Allen. I think it is this Logan Allen. So I don't think Scott Moss is with us anymore. Or no, Scott Moss has pitched a little bit with us. And then we got Victor Nova, who I've never heard of. So, yeah, good trade for everyone. Yeah, Logan Allen finished this season in Baltimore. Yes. Yeah, yep, that's the Logan Allen I was thinking of. He just couldn't. He was just so bad. He would make a few spot starts and just gave us nothing. Speaking of baseball, Anthony Rizzo just re-signed with the Yankees. Tyler Anderson signed with the Angels. Oh, did he? Yeah. I don't hate that. So, uh, it doesn't have to change his Do you know how many years? Or, do you know the years of money? Uh, I don't know the money, but it's three years. Okay. What was your question before? Uh, I don't even. I was just talking about the. I was just trying to guess the players, and I couldn't remember any of them. Uh, Austin Hedges, was he involved in that trade? He was involved in the Mike Clevenger trade. That's right. Cause I know you guys made multiple deals with the Padres. Yes. We, I, that was a good trade. We got a lot in that trade. Pull that up. Yeah, and Clevenger immediately missed an entire season. Mm -hmm. And then he came back this year and it was just trash. Like, he stunk in the playoffs, too. Let's see. Hate articles that don't just bold out what I'm looking for and I have to read. So we got. We got Cal Quantrill, which has been good. Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Hedges, who's going to be gone. We're not going to re-sign him. And then Gabriel Reyes, who actually started a few games at first base in the playoffs for us. He is um, he was one of our top shortstop prospects, and we have like five of them that are ready to come up. So, and we first base is kind of iffy for us, so we've been trying him out at first, and he's actually pretty good at first. He did pretty well in the playoffs. So yeah, this is a good trade for us. All produce all major league producing talent. Which is kinda hard to do sometimes. Especially when it's one, two, three, four, five major leaguers. Five all five of those guys played not a not all five of them played a key role, but they all were starters. Consistent playing time. Cal Quantrill was one of our best starters. Naylor came up clutch a bunch. Hedges was fine. Owen Miller's a good platoon player. Yeah, that's a good, really great trade. And then Arias obviously probably could be our first baseman in the future. That's a hell of a job. And uh, not to mention the trade you guys made with the Mets, where uh, hey, oh god, what a fleece! <laughs> what a fleece! I don't know what Ahmed Rosario's situation is going to be coming up, but he's probably going to get traded at some point. I have to imagine. Wait, wait, wait! So, what? Why would you trade him at Rosario? There's nowhere to put him. There's nowhere. There's nowhere for him to play. Really? Maybe Isn't second. Maybe second, but I feel like they're gonna want to give one of their young guys a shake at second. They don't want to pay Rosario because I believe this is his last year of team control. This upcoming. Oh, he's not. He's not as young as I thought he was. He he's younger than I thought he was, but. Uh, yeah, um, 
Jimenez is the shortstop, obviously. He's not Rosario. They kept trying to stick him in the outfield. He just doesn't. He just doesn't know how to play the outfield. Just put it simply, he just doesn't know. Um, <laughs> and I guess they they could run it back where Jimenez plays second and Rosario plays short, but then that just further creates the log jam with all these guys they have in the minors that are about to come up. That's it's it's all running a baseball team is just an absolute. It's just 100% of the time, it's chaos. I know, which is why it's so much fun to critique managers. I, absolutely. That's why it's so, yeah, I like doing it from here when I don't have to do all the hard work. All I can just say is, why don't my, why doesn't my team just go out and get the best players? Yeah, and then you tweet out something. If I were the Guardians, I would simply sign Aaron Judge. I, I, I would, too. I, shit. Our owner is, like, the heir of smuckers. So, I, do it. Uh, is that really how they have their money? No. Uh, well, he's a Dolan, so I don't know. I don't remember how the Dolans got their money, but I believe they own Smuckers. Like, that's not our, the Cleveland side of the Dolan family. I believe that's where... I don't know. But I know I know Smuckers has something to do with uh, Dol- our owner, our lame duck owner. Um, let's talk some college football, might only. Because you need to apologize to my Ohio State Buckeyes. No, I don't. Uh, Joe Klett does, though. Joe Klett. Man, last he, two weeks ago. Yeah, he's he had a flip. Michi- All right, as, as long as you acknowledge it and you've seen it, good. Because two weeks ago, he had Ohio State over Michigan. Then Ohio State has their game against Northwestern that was goofy. And then he flips them. And then Ohio State looks good this week against Indiana. He flips him right back. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, have some consistency. I, I still believe that these two teams are so similar that I don't care if you have them two or three. Of but course. I, I don't think we learned anything about Ohio State against Indiana other than, hey, they can actually have an effective offense in the weather. That's cool. And without most of their running backs for the majority of the game. Or not the majority of the game, but the running back situation is very weird right now. You have everything to lose and nothing to gain as far as I'm concerned with these dog games. So I'm yes. certainly not holding it against Ohio State in any way. Like, oh, you didn't play anybody good this way. Just, you just stay where you're at. I already had Michigan above Ohio State. So Fair. regardless, I think they're right up against each other. No matter who you have them, no matter where you have them, no matter who you have above the other, because they have basically identical resumes. And it's going to come down to, and we've known this since, since the off season, probably since last season, this conference is going to come down to November 26th in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. I, it just is. So, and, you know, I, I don't think anybody – Spends a ton of time arguing about these two schools because I think people know that. Uh, A lot of people argue Ohio State versus Tennessee, Ohio State versus Georgia, because that's something that 100%, that perception now will have an impact later. The perception of Ohio State versus Michigan, uh, it already kind of has figured itself out, and we, we know what to expect. So... 
Uh, fortunately, I haven't seen a bunch of time-wasting debates about Ohio State versus Michigan. Although, you know, some people say, some people say oh, this is all just a waste of time. They're all just going to they're gonna rearrange it at the very last minute because they're going to flip-flop like crazy and have all these double standards. Maybe. But uh, Ohio State and Michigan on Thanksgiving week. Wow, man, we are a week and a half away from that game. I oh. Oh, the entire Big Ten Conference is going to come down to that game. And you know what? I'm going to be watching every single play, and you can't pull me away from the TV. It would be so funny if one of Ohio State or Michigan just lost this week. Because they both have tough games. I know Illinois lost again last week, but Michigan has Illinois, and Ohio State goes to Maryland, which is not scary, but it's – I. The last time we were there, we almost we should have lost. But um, no, what, what do you think the quarterback? Yeah, what do you think the spread is for the game right now? I think the last time we talked about it, Ohio State was like a two touchdown favorite. Yeah, I think it's unreasonably in favor of Ohio State. I well, I mean right now too, especially the juice. Uh, it's gotta be. If it were me, I would have it. Probably within six, within within that range. But I expect it because, as you mentioned, we've talked about this before, and I was surprised then, so I'm going to expect to be surprised now, which I guess is not surprising if you expect it, but I'm talking myself in circles. I'm going to say probably closer to 10 than it was 14. It is. six. Ohio State is minus six and a half. And All right. Minus one. You can get Michigan at even odds at plus six and a half right now on FanDuel, which isn't that bad. So you can buy half a point. It wouldn't. What's the over under? Sixty one and a half. I think this is kind of going to be a, a muck it up type game. It Mich- could you be. Know Michigan likes to run the ball, man. Yes. That. That's my concern with Michigan in this game. If I wasn't, su- if obviously I didn't have such a big stake in this game, if I was just looking from the outside in, that would be my concern with Michigan. Is they run the ball as good, if not better, than any team in the country? I would argue Kansas State is the best running team in the country. However, Michigan has one of the better offensive lines, and they have a two one two punch in uh, Corm and Donovan Edwards. That's awesome. My problem with Michigan is. They're going into Ohio State. They're going to go play one of, if not the most effective offenses in the country. If they get down, if they are down 14 points, going into halftime. What's that? They can't come back. No, they can't. J.J. McCarthy is not that good of a throwing quarterback. I don't – they don't have the – they don't have the receivers. Ohio State's defense is that much better against the run, so they can't just sell it – so they can't just run the ball. Like, you remember last year, Ohio State was putting 11 players in the box and Michigan just did whatever they wanted to them. They're not going to be able to do that this year. And if they do get down, which is highly likely because Ohio State, they're tough to beat at home, and they, ha- and they have all these weapons. So if they do go down, I don't, I don't know if Michigan can theoretically or realistically come back. That's a fantastic point and one that I had not considered yet. But I wholeheartedly agree with that, and... I was yeah, Michigan as, can also just dominate again like they did last year. I'm not. That's also on the table. Yeah, I, yeah. Michigan also has the best offensive line in college football. Uh, yes. So that's a, a bit of a concern, you would think, for Ohio State. 
Uh, we'll see if the if Tommy Eichenberg is still Dick Buckkiss out there running around the. It's been defense. for ten games so far. Yeah, he has been, and I'm not going to act like he hasn't because he's uh, inexplicably has turned into one of the best linebackers. Yeah, going out there right now because last year he was just lost trying to hunt a... down running backs. Just. You... Uh, just absolutely had, terrible. He had 18 so I, Rose Bowl, though. It's because every play yeah. was downfield. Every play got past the line of scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every he, single one of them. He was chasing them down. Um, I, I went back uh, and watched or not oh, watched that game, but I watched the highlights of that Rose Bowl, Ohio State, Utah. What an outrageous football game. That was just a, two defenses that probably would have lost on Friday night. On Friday, during Friday night football, let alone the fucking Rose Bowl. I think Utah had running backs at cornerback in that game. That was awesome. Um, well, well you guys had, had a – Yeah, we had a running back. You guys had a tight game. end and a, line, and a running back at linebacker. <laughs> we sure did. Was it Cade did Stover get... who was playing linebacker? Cade Stover started as an edge rusher, I believe. Or, no, he started as a – he was recruited as a linebacker. They beefed him up to become an edge rusher, of, and then they just flipped him to tight end, which Ohio State does that a lot. Like G. Scott, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you know who that is. He's number yeah. eight for Ohio State. He started out as like, I think he was like a top fifty like recruit as an edge rusher, and he just they just flipped him to tight end. They do that a lot. They they they've been known to do that a lot. Well, I don't know if that's. Because I don't obviously pay attention as closely to other programs as I do programs, excuse me, as I do Ohio State. But Ohio State does that a lot. I like it because it works. Because Steel Chambers, I really like his athleticism on defense. But that was also one of my concerns heading into this season. Like, yeah, we got two running backs playing linebacker this year, so defense could be bad, and then the defense has turned out to be good. They certainly have been, and they're going to get a test because uh, – and, look, I, I don't expect other people to share this opinion. Uh, well, I, I, this is going to be a, a bit of a pat, pat on my own back. But, look, I don't expect people to watch Notre Dame football the way I do, but Notre Dame did not hit their stride off, on the offensive line especially until week four against North Carolina, and since then it's been a different offensive line. So I, Correct. I, I, I saw what Ohio State's front seven did to Notre Dame's offensive line. They controlled the line of scrimmage. So mm-hmm. part of me thinks that, all right, I've seen Ohio State against a good offensive line. They're going to be up with the challenge against Michigan. I also recognize Notre Dame looks entirely different now than they used yes. to. So I also kind of am saying, you know what? Maybe Ohio State hasn't been – they've played top-level talent but the production on the field was not top level. So I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to just say, well, the Ohio State credit that I'm going to give them for that Notre Dame game is going to carry over now into the Michigan game because I don't think that was a good reflection of Notre Dame's offensive line. And mm-hmm. Michigan, and as much as I think Notre Dame is a fantastic offensive line and a lot of people think that, Michigan's is even better. And a lot of people that right. think that they still have the number one offensive line in the country and – they Some did. people are saying it's better than last year's offensive line, which won the oh I, I forget what the award's called. It's not the Remington because that's the center of the year, but yeah, it's the I, um 
Is it uh, or- hey, is it the Orlando fucking Orlando Pace trophy? Isn't it a new trophy? Just the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, it's uh it started a few years ago. It's pretty new. I know what you're so, talking about. I think LSU won it the Joe Burrow year, yeah. which shocker the LSU. Award. LSU just Yes, that. So this is going to be an enormous test, and that's one thing. I don't think offensive linemen – I don't think the moment's too bright for an offensive lineman. No. Uh, so if you can play the ground game well, that's something that can travel into the shoe, right? Yeah. J.J. McCarthy might look like a deer in the headlights. I don't think the five guys in front of him are going to look like that. So if the ground game is as effective as it has been and as it was against Penn State, which we talk about is basically the one test that these two teams had. Uh, now looking back on it again, because, again, the Notre Dame game, horrible performance by them in the shoe, so not a great test uh, for Ohio State. But both of them played against Penn State. Michigan against Penn State ran the ball for over 400 yards, just punched them in the mouth. And if they can do that in the sh- on the road, in the shoe, that can keep them in the game. Now, I was as just as big of a Kool-Aid drinker as anybody when it came to J.J. McCarthy in the offs. Oh, he could run. He's more athletic. Um, oh, you know. Uh, they, they brought him in for one play, and he threw a 40-yard bomb against Ohio State last year. So I was – I had such high expectations for J.J. McCarthy and was was saying, hey, you know, Kate McNamara is a, a game manager. J.J. McCarthy might be a game breaker. So you take the chance. And he's turned out to be okay. Um, the production isn't great. Right. A lot – a lot of people were saying earlier on in the season, well, his accuracy is awesome. Yeah, he's playing bad teams and wasn't he's a, wasn't he's even not attempting that many passes. To be honest, with his arm. He's not being asked to do much with his arm because, you know, the running game's got it under control in the majority of these games. Yeah, and J.J. McCarthy might be one of those guys that we look back on. And, again, he's a sophomore. He's not going to the NFL yet. We'll see what happens next year. But – he might be one of those guys we look back on as like the the meme about those. Hey, remember those big recruits everybody talked about, and then they went to the NFL as like a fifth round pick and just like held a clipboard for two years. That might be him because he has not been the star that I thought he was going to be. Right. And I also like that he can run, and I expect that to be an element that he brings to the table against uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes because. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're going to be running with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, why not let him run around too? Just keep him honest. So it's going to be a really, 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 really good football game. And the entire nation is going to be watching Gus Johnson and Joe Clack all that game. Yes. And another thing that would concern me about Michigan is they, the results look better than Ohio State's at times because in the second half, they're, I can't imagine what their second half plus minus is. I'm just, it's probably the best in the country. Um, they, they did it a little bit last week against Nebraska, and they've done it a couple times this year against Bad Rutgers. They put Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. They've done it – or they did it last week against Nebraska too. Um, they, they play with their food a little bit in the first half, and that goes into what I, I said <laughs> earlier uh, about Ohio State just jumping on them and Michigan not having the dogs. If they play with their food against Ohio State, it could get ugly. 
Because yeah. not only are you going to have to play catch up, you have to stop Ohio State's offense, which are two almost impossible things. One, to catch up to Ohio State's offense. And two, break Ohio State's defense, which hasn't really been done this season. So if, if I were setting the lines for this game, I think I would make Ohio State a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but that's just because it's in Columbus. If it were a neutral site, it honestly would be a pickup to me. Yeah, that's how I view this game uh, entirely. I th- This is a game where I would just say the home team's winning because I think they're so close. Right. So I give the advantage to Ohio State. Also, I'm still half in on that curse that I said that I just I thought it completely hung over Michigan's head. Now, they broke off a little bit of that curse, and I was – and, of course, the, the year that I say I am never picking Michigan again until they beat Ohio State, they beat Ohio State. But – I, there's another element to them. If they beat Ohio State back to back, one at home, one in the shoe, then I'm saying, That's all right, fa- then I'm saying fair game. All right, then it's then it's anybody's it's anybody's rivalry, right, rivalry. to take control of. So yeah, I uh, I definitely need to see Michigan win it on the road in Columbus. Going to be a hellacious atmosphere. Uh, you know, Columbus, Ohio is going to be waking up at 5 a.m. that day because they always okay. do for that game. There's no doubt about that. You're probably going to be waking up in Berea at 5 a.m. for that game just to, uh, just to be there in spirit. <laughs> Let's not get too carried away. I will wake up at an appropriate time that Saturday. You'll be waking up at 9 a.m. for college game day. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to – yeah, I wake up at 9 a.m. to watch college game day. There Pretty you much. go. But uh, I, I like your point about – Michigan and whether or not they'd be able to play from behind in this game, I think is a great point. Also, what calls this is going to call Ryan Day into question here because what we've seen from him is very big one. poorly timed playoff uh, play calls. And it, it's, I, I can't put a number on it or a stat. It just feels like when you think Ohio State's going to run, he throws it, and it's an incomplete yeah. pass. And when you think Ohio State's going to pass the ball, Ryan Day dials up a run. And you just feel like the fan – and there's I, I don't know what value or what what kind of effect this has on the ex, on the expected outcome of the game. It feels like the fans are not in sync with Ryan Day as far as what play is supposed to come next. And – you can say, well, he's the coach. He knows what's going on. Just trust him over the fan. You know, we're all fans. But, I mean, we watch a lot of football, damn it. Like, we have, we have some yeah. clue of what's supposed to take place. So, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, I, I am now going to call Ryan Day to question. If Ohio State jumps on him early, I, I think you got to go for it all. I think you got to continue the pass attack. Basically, what I'm saying. Step on the throat, yeah. Yes. If you have a 14 nothing lead or just any 14-point lead, period, right. in the first half, you got to be thinking Michigan State game last year where you just buried them. And don't let up. Don't, don't – all right, you know, we have a 14-point lead. Let's run the ball here. Let's try to, let's try to show them that we can do both. I, I, there's this, like I, – I don't know if it's just the sportsmanship aspect of it or – hey, they're going to make some adjustments to our passing game, so let's beat them to the punch and let's run the ball and confuse them. I don't know what it is, but there's just this 
innate factor that is within so many coaches that when they have a lead, it's just time to take it easy. And you see it all the time, especially, or it could be a straight up fear of just blowing it. Like, oh man, we've been throwing so well, but I don't want to throw any interceptions now. So let's run the ball. I don't, and you especially see that late in games, but I want Ryan day. If they jump on him early, run up the score because you do not want to allow Michigan's offense you know, maybe maybe you have a three and out, and all of a sudden Michigan's got the got the ball at their own thirty-five or forty-yard line, and they they break open one big run because what you basically allow room for is you allow one or two big plays to make the scoreboard look a lot closer than it should, mm-hmm. because we've seen that we see that we see that every single Saturday is that there are games where some teams have a few big plays that make that make the scoreboard look good when one team dominated 95% of the game. So DC. yes. That, that game. Uh-huh, exactly. That 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 fluke ball that Max Duggan just dropped as he was getting yeah. sacked and then he he tries to dive on it and then it squirts out and now it's like shoot, like Texas is still in this game. They scored three offensive points the entire game. Like come on. So you just got to have a very aggressive mindset if you're Ryan Day heading into this game. I I think you got to let it all hang out. And also, this is the I, – I, I don't want to be overly dramatic about this, but because it, it will only be three games. But you better believe, Ryan Day, that if you lose this game, Ohio State fans are going to take notice that you have a losing record against Jim Harbaugh. Because that is something that lives in Buckeye lore that Urban Meyer went seven and zero. Urban Urban Meyer's pint house has seven and zero built into the logo in Dublin, Ohio. All right, where he's handing out where it used to get that place closed. It did. I think so. Uh, well, yeah, well, see, I haven't been in Dublin, in, uh although I I'll be going back for Thanksgiving. I will be in Columbus, Ohio, for this game. Mm. Um, uh, due to the timeliness of this being surrounded by Thanksgiving, but uh, see, I don't, I don't know, but I Buckeye well, fans jobs are won and lost uh, during the last Saturday in November in these two cities. Oh, one hundred percent. And I'll tell you, look this. at John. John Cooper had a ton of success overall at Ohio State. He just had an awful record against Michigan, and they fired yes. him. And I'll tell you this, DJ too. If, if Paul Christ even won one Big Ten championship, he would still be the head coach of Wisconsin. Probably. One. He, he got there so many times and always lost. And sometimes they were close. There was the, uh, which I, I couldn't even believe this, 2017 when Alex Hornibrook led them to an undefeated season because oh, they played nobody for 12 games, and then actually played Ohio State close, which I, I thought that was going to be a blowout. But yeah, they played. Dustin. They played nobody. And then it was either 2018 or 2019. Um, uh, it, was, it was 2019. Wisconsin had a huge first half lead. Yeah. Because Ohio, Ohio State was completely inept. And then Ohio State storms back and win. So you're right. <laughs> These last couple weeks of the season do define you. And it defined Paul Christ, and he was able to hang around for a while, but eventually 
it just took one sign of deterioration. Like, all right, you've hit your ceiling. We're done here. And you better believe Ohio State has higher expectations and higher standards than Wisconsin does. So if you if you fall to a one and two record against Jim Harbaugh when reason that Brian Hartline's at that school. So <laughs> we can talk about all of those things. And people were so quick to just rush Ryan Day into the Mount Rushmore of college football coaches. Just it, look, man, you got to win this game. And I, let me let me ask you this hypothetically. Hypothetically speaking, now I know I'm talking a long, long time, but I've been thinking a lot I about want, this. I want to, before you say it, I want to – I am not – a huge Ryan Day fan. I'm just going to throw I that know, out. because you, you think that he's as you, – you already think that he's looking at the NFL. A little that, bit. and I think he just – his brain just turns off sometimes. It's just – it's so <laughs> bizarre. Again, I can't explain it. All I know is the fans and Ryan Day are never on the same page when it comes to what play is being, about to be ran. Correct. It, I, like, cannot explain it. I mean, Urban Meyer, I knew JT Barrett was running right, JT Barrett was running left, and that was it. <laughs> That's all that needed to be. Yeah. But if Ryan Day goes 11-1 this year and next year and loses to Michigan both years, and he goes 0-3 in that three-year span against Michigan, what, is, what are your thoughts? <sighs> to me, I, I care more about what happens after the Michigan game. You know, it's so if if we have success outside of that, then I would I'd be fine with it. It would, it would kind of like just leave a sour taste in my mouth, but I would get over it very fast. Um, if if we're always if we lost the last three and against Michigan and those three games cost us opportunities at the playoff, then I'd be like, all right, dude, like if I were uh, Gene Smith. You would have to come into my office and tell me why you should still be the coach. Because I just win the championship. I don't care if you really beat me. Oh, I care, but I don't at the same time. Well, hold on. You're on the same side of the conference. You got, if, if you lose to Michigan, you might not make it to the championship. Especially not this year. Wh- whoever loses this, this game is out. No, that's what I mean. Is if it, Okay, yeah, in this specific sense. I was just talking in general. If we lost three straight to Michigan and all three times, they just happened to cost us playoff spots or opportunities. Um, if In this, in the real world example, um, I would, if they lose this year, I'm, he needs to, he needs to do something. He needs to hit the transfer portal hard. He needs to start cheating. He needs to start doing something. <laughs> I don't, I don't care if we cheat to win because the Astros already proved once, enough time has passed, usually two years, everyone forgets. No. Oh, I know. Now you're going to drag me into this. They have entirely different players. All right, not entirely, because I know Altuve is still there. Mostly different players. They have a new manager and a new general manager, and actually that general manager is going to be new once again, because they, for whatever reason, they lowballed their general manager when he's up for a new contract, and now he's leaving. So I don't know what they're doing right after they win the World Series. That is one of the most well-run organizations, whether we like it or not, because six straight appearances to the ALCS, including three World Series appearances and two championships, all right? 
This is a fantastic organization. They develop players. They make great trades. The Ryan Presley trade was fantastic. Right. Who's Kyle Tucker a few years ago? None of us had ever heard of him before. And now he's one of the best outfielders in Major League Baseball. So I understand. And look, the COVID year hurt because that was supposed to be the Astros tour of shame, I guess. Yes. And they just so happened that there were no fans in the stands for that year because that was the whole uh, Carlos Correa in spring training grabbing the mic from Ken Rosenthal and saying, shut the F up to the fans who were complaining about it. And then, you know, bringing out Dusty Baker to make some apology for something that he had nothing to do with. And then uh, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman having an apology that lasted a total of 31 seconds. So that year, I, I, I get it, enough time once it passed. But th- these are these are new players, new managers, and new general managers, man. It's a new team, just same logos. I mean, it's new players, new coaches for the most part. For Ohio, it would be for Ohio State. Would it not? All right. I honestly forgot the question. I forgot what that where where the Astros came up. You said people wouldn't care if Ohio State cheated because they didn't care that the Astros. Cheated. No, I'm saying I wouldn't care. Oh well, I'm sure I, I a lot of people I, also would not care. I think it's hard to cheat nowadays because it's all legal. Listen, there's ways to cheat. There, well, I mean, he's probably been cheating already. Nick Saban's got two losses on the resume. He needs to. He needs to wake up. Yeah, I guess the way to cheat is to just do what Lincoln Riley did with Jordan Addison and just recruit yes, that, straight that, off of somebody. Caleb Willis roster. Williams. That was just blatant. Like, hey, I'm going to USC. You, you should join me. Okay. Well, I'll, immediately uh, after Bedlam. I'll give you this hint because. There's a player at Mizzou who, and I, I've heard people say this, and I, I don't, truthfully, I don't know if they're speculating or if they actually have inside information. Honestly, it could be either or, uh, because these people would know. But they may just be stating opinions in the form of facts, which is something that we frequently do as people. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or make any official statements. But there is a recruit here who was the number four recruit in the country and basically gave Mizzou a hometown discount and is now here and is not being used very much. And there is, there's been talks all season long, dude, covering Mizzou football every, every single week, every, their performance, they get, they get blown out. Sometimes they lose some close games. Uh, They don't want a ton of games, but they might go six and six. We'll see. But anyway, the four and six right now, but, Every single week, the first thing, you, all right, how many catches did Luther Burden have? How many, all right, did they use him as the Wildcat this week? It's just, oh, my gosh, just talking about this freshman. Oh, that and, kid? I know yeah. who that is. Oh, you know who Luther Burden is? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I know who he is. Just by oh, my, betting on games that Ms. Missouri was in, I just recognize that name. Yeah, so he's the uh, number four recruit in the nation, and he stays home when he easily could have gone anywhere. In fact, I think he <laughs> Wait, even hey. said – I think he even said during his commitment to Mizzou, Alabama is my dream school, which th- that's got to be a little bit disheartening, even though he picked you. But with all this transfer portal, there are rumors, just rumors, again, don't want to be official, that Alabama and Ohio State are currently contacting him. That's the uh, that's the scuttlebutt, which, again, that would be recruiting directly off of somebody's roster. That would not be allowed. But, again, that might just be people offering opinions in the forms of a fact, and you know that's just something we do. So you gotta read between the lines, but I don't know. 
I've always wondered who does the NCAA like govern that? Uh, I have no idea. Well, because I've been thinking, and like the NCAA is might be like just irrelevant in the yeah. near future, but twenty ish years. Because I guarantee you, eventually, conferences are going to start running themselves. Run, not run, being run by networks or running themselves, something like that. Well, Obviously, things can change. Like, what's going to stop when these new contracts that are about to go into effect, when they run out, what's going to stop Fox from just contacting the SEC, the Big 12, the Big, or whatever, whatever college football looks like at that time, and saying, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll put on our own. Uh, championship game like that's what's gonna stop that? like it's the liv like they enough money money talks the ncaa that i'm i'm i feel like the ncaa has been a little relaxed these past couple years just because i think they know too they're like hey we we don't really have a lot to bargain with coming up so interesting so here's what i'm thinking out of this is what we might see, and you can this. By the way, the second that the conferences would break away from the NCAA and just mon- run themselves, that would be the same thing as the as the uh, television networks running them because they kind of already do. Yes, so, all, all these game time. Hey, when you play, where you play, yeah. largely decided by the television networks who are going to be putting you on TV. So that, well, that's yeah. kind of. Yeah. And decides, and then the others just kind of have the pick of the litter. No, I, I know what you're talking about because you're talking about the possibilities of like an ESPN championship and, an, and a CBS championship. So, or leagues like the winner of the ESPN league plays the Fox league. That'd be sick. Yeah. So, so basically, now you you and I both know that college football people are just the ultimate traditionalists, mostly, Correct. mostly, Correct. and. So I think that college football people would want to keep the branding of the Big Ten and the SEC and the Pac-12, you know, assuming the Pac-12 still exists. We'll see how that goes. But they're, they're going to want to keep all the branding. And then maybe there are just multiple conferences aligned with ESPN, multiple conferences aligned with Fox. And then they're not going to say the ESPN League, but it's basically going to be – they're going to say it without saying it. There's going to be the ESPN bracket that features the Big Ten, or I'm sorry, that features the SEC and the ACC. And there's going to be the Fox side of the bracket, again, without specifically saying that, that has the Pac 12 and the Big Ten. And then they might do like what the Super Bowl does, where they, they rotate between NBC, CBS, and Fox. You might have alternating championships uh, based off the network. So the networks are yeah. going to have to be. Uh, basically in agreement with this too, they're going to have to kind of play ball with one another and split because what I do not think, I, I don't think anybody will ever allow there to be separate national champions in college football. Like it used to be where, Oh, we have the AP poll and we got the coaches poll. Oh my God. All right. Well, well the AP poll doesn't agree with the coaches poll. So they're both national. Champions. I don't think anybody's going to do that. So what, what you would probably see because it would break my heart if we literally just said, well, uh, this <laughs> you would still see 
Paul Feinbaum and uh, and his callers talking about RESPN League is way better than the Fox yeah. League, even though they would never play each other in this and hypothetically. But I have to believe that those two be, it would be good for business too. You wouldn't want to have just an ESPN, you know, SEC and ACC championship game, and then a Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10 championship game. And then just, all right, we got two national champions. They would want to play each other. That'd be good for business, and they'd trade off. So I, I that's what I think is going to happen. Do you agree, disagree? Uh, that That's honestly, if what I just said was going to happen, that's probably most likely what eventually, like it would be, you like you said, they would rotate conferences and, or for the championship game and stuff like that. But the you, I, 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 I want to say this before I forget. You mentioned the Pac-12 might be in for a rude awakening. If they let Gonzaga go to the Big 12, they may as well. Oh, my gosh. They may as well. I you cannot let that happen. I believe when I heard that. I almost fell out of my chair. That's You're losing a blue blood in college basketball in UCLA. You're losing USC, which is not a blue blood, but it's a very good program. I think that's all they're losing as of now. They're probably going to lose a couple others. I'm sure the Big 12 is going to scoop in. If they let Gonzaga go to the Big Twelve, where it doesn't make geo, uh, it doesn't make sense. Geographical. Yeah, that, I was going to say geological, but that's that's so bad. I don't I don't know what the Pac twelve has been a mess for a while, like dating back to like their TV deals. It they just make bad deals, and it's it's just not the majority of the country is just not awake to watch them. That's the problem. You are. That's their problem, but it's also, I don't know. It's a, I, the Pac-12 is just going to, it's going to be the power two. It's going to like, it's going to be the power two eventually. That's what we're heading towards. Yeah. And then we're going to have these pods. App State whooping Louisville's ass right now. Are you serious? 24-12. Louisville just snapped a nine minute field streak with no field goals. So that's good. Good God. Oh, my yep. gosh. Uh, son of a gun. What was I going to say? Uh, I got oh. Uh, yes, we will do that right after this. I got. Okay. I think that there are going to be pods in college football. Truthfully, yep. I think Twitter is kind of like – and I have my frustrations with Twitter, but one thing I will give it credit for is that I think it kind of decides what's going to happen with college football. Because all of these fans put out ideas to the point where fans just start to agree on their own ideas. Like, hey, we, you know, we're going to talk about oh, college football expansion. It could be eight. It could be twelve. And then college, then college football fans kind of just like, yeah, th- this is going to happen. One of these is going to happen, and then it happens. I, I seriously think that all this talk about well, what if they do pods? How would this work with like twenty team conferences? You got to have like many divisions in there. I think that they're just going to do that, and. Uh, Again, we'll see what happens with Notre Dame. Do they join the Big Ten? Do they join the ACC? Obviously, the Big Ten has Notre Dame on its mind because they already have written into all of their television contracts that they just signed. They have that Notre Dame clause of how how do all of these financial adjustments be made if we add Notre Dame? So Notre Dame's in the Big Ten's mind, but they're gone. And, and, yeah, I would I would want I would I I gotta have Michigan and Michigan State in the Notre Dame pod. Or, yeah, you know, I, I, right. I shouldn't call it the Notre Dame pod because, you know, they would be they'd be the guest. They wouldn't be the host. But I, I, I 
bring back those rivalries. I, yeah. I know that some people are like, well, you know, that's the B tier of the Big Ten. I'm sorry. I should look. That stuff matters to me. I know that we're all just rooting for laundry, like Jerry Seinfeld said. But I, I want to see Notre Dame versus Michigan. I want to see Notre Dame versus Michigan State. Truth, truthfully, I kind of would like to hide from Notre, from Ohio State most years. Some years we could take them. But I, I want those rivalries back so bad. Okay, I, I want to hear about your top 25. Those Northwestern and Purdue. Those were rivalries at one point. Uh, certainly Purdue. Northwestern, I don't think. Although geographically speaking, Michigan, Indiana, and Northwestern would be the three closest to us. Or, I'm yeah. sorry, Michigan State. Michigan State's closer to us than Michigan is. Yes, unless unless I don't know where Iowa and Nebraska are in their state. But anyway, my top 25. Top five stays the same. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee. I have LSU mm-hmm. six. I have you. I don't know if you're – you might not agree with this. I have Utah at seven, USC at eight. Oh, my gosh, you and Utah. I love Utah. There's – We'll get more on that later. Here's another one you won't agree with. At nine, I have North Carolina. At ten, I have oh, Alabama. At you 11, and Drake, you and all these Drake May homers. I love him, man. At ten, I have Alabama. At eleven, I have Ole Miss. At twelve, I have Oregon. At thirteen, I have UCLA. Fourteen, Clemson. I do have Oregon above Washington, but fourteen. Um, Clemson, they stink. Yeah, but you can find thirteen teams better than them. At this point, yeah. Oh, that's a lot. They stay, I, di- I didn't move them up or down. They kind of had a man performance against Louisville. They had so many opportunities to blow that team out, and they just didn't. Uh, 15, I have Penn State. Where am I? 16, I have Washington. 17, I have Kansas State. 18, UCF. 19, Florida State. 20, Oregon State. 21, Coastal Carolina. 22, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 23, yeah. Cincinnati, 24, Tulane, and 25, Troy. Others receiving votes, Illinois, UTSA, NC State, Minnesota, and Duke. Good for you for having Illinois knocked out of your top 25. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it because I still think they are one of the 25 best teams. They just, I just, You just can't lose two games in a row to those our, teams. One our to radio me. station is actually a part of the Illinois radio network, so I – I'd like to see Illinois do well because, uh, you know, I'm a team player, but these past two losses have been so tragic. And now uh, they're in a four-way tie in the Big Ten West, which yeah, I, I don't want to make this podcast right on any longer than it, it already is because uh, remind me at some point to dig into the Big Ten West versus the Big Four in, in the Big Ten East because the stats are just absolutely humiliating to the Big Ten West, except for Michigan State. Michigan State's actually quite poor against the Big Ten West. They're the they're the lone yeah. wolf. So th- there's a clear gap between the Big Three and Michigan State there. But um, my top six, I'm going to have uh, Georgia number one. Don't think I need to explain it. Michigan two, Ohio State three. We've been talking about those teams this entire time. Um, I, I, I will get – I'm not going to affect TCU's ranking at all, but as far as my respect level, uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a little bit more because I expected them to lose at Texas. Big yeah. atmosphere. Texas probably has better players. but Quinn Ewers has to be hurt, by the way. He just has to be. 
Yeah, that was a horrible performance. There's been a rumor about his hand for a couple of weeks, I think dating back to the Texas Tech game. I, he has to be hurt. He just looks so different. And like I said, three offensive points out of Texas that game. Right. That's a When you got a, a very talented quarterback and – Gosh, I don't. I don't want to break into a rankings of college football players, but you, you got to think one of the top five, certainly top ten running backs in the country, Bijan Robinson, and, probably top three. I, I, yeah, I might be. I might be shortchanging him a little bit. Might be regardless. the best. But yeah, possibly. People certainly think that. So um, uh, he could be heading to the NFL and be a first or second round pick this year. Now, they do have two true freshmen on the offensive line, which is both a credit to their recruiting and also a bit of a concern just due to a lack of experience in general. But uh, for TCU to go into – oh, my gosh, I forget the name of that stadium. Uh, I'm just going to guess Memorial Stadium because that's the name of, like, half the stadiums in the country. So that's – I'm at least close. I guarantee you there is a a Memorial Stadium in Texas just – Playing I think the odds, and they they also have fifty six schools in that in that state. Right. But uh, TCU, I'm impressed with you. I am still a little bit on the fence about if you lose one game, I might plummet you. To be completely honest. Oh yeah, but, they are. They're hanging on by a thread. Yeah, um, but that thread got a little bit more firm, just a little yeah. bit. With that win against Texas, I was impressed. But uh, therefore, five Tennessee, they will. I, I will be floored if they miss the play. The only way that Tennessee shouldn't say the only way, but the real thing that could keep Tennessee out of the playoffs, although I would have to re- really review it. Uh, they, actually, this may actually work in their if LSU somehow wins the SEC. I'm going to be in a pretzel trying to figure out yeah, what to do with good. Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU. Um, I'll tell you right now. Especially up against the Ohio State-Michigan loser, too, because they also have to be up for consideration. Um, I'm not putting either of them against those two. Uh, if LSU, all right. If LSU I wouldn't put up against the SEC, Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the Big 10's been so bad. The Big yeah. Ten has been so bad that I'm sorry, just this year, there was not a win on your resume that I can consider. Uh, Penn State's pretty good for both teams, especially Michigan, the way they just throw. Okay, okay. Well, hold on. Hold Penn on. St- just one quick. Penn State <laughs> has a realistic opportunity to end this season with 10 wins and a, pro- or a New Year's Six Bowl victory, and their only two losses came to Ohio State and Michigan. Like, that would be – that's really good. But I good. Okay, but hypothetically, if LSU wins the SEC, yes, Georgia would have beaten Tennessee pretty handily despite the score only being 14 points. I think we would all agree that the second half was a little bit lax for Georgia when, when they were up, what, like 24 to 6? So Georgia would have handled Tennessee. Tennessee would have kicked the you-know-what out of LSU, and then LSU would have won the SEC. So I, I, I can't put beating Penn State – above any of those three wins. And, you know, well, hey, we could do the Sam Block strategy of just view all of their worst three performances and then make that their resume. Um, that's always a possibility. Yeah, I noticed uh, you were talking about it. Yeah. So, 
Uh, my, my God. Hey, and I always use the word could. That's the other thing. Make sure that you use the word could, then you could say anything. Absolutely. Um, we, uh, you and I are big fans of that when we see that on Twitter. So-and-so could win the Heisman. Um, yeah, they could. Absolutely uh, They could. won't. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jackson Dart could win the Heisman this year. He will not, but he could. Um, yeah, I don't think he actually could. Uh, Probably not. I don't even know what it would take. I don't know if there's a uh, stat line big enough for him to be able to find <laughs> Yeah. Um, look, if LSU, and I'll wrap this up because I do want to get to trivia. Uh, and I'm on, I got 18 minutes left. Uh, I'm going to make that 17. But if LSU beats Georgia, they're the SEC champion and they beat Georgia which is a ridiculous win and they beat Alabama, which is still a really good win. I would have to put LSU one out of those three teams because Georgia and Tennessee would both have one loss. LSU would have one more loss, but you think you'd be conversation after the Florida state loss. Got to put LSU one. No, (laughs) I I mean, hold on. I mean, one out of those three, I would still, Ah. I would just put the winner of Ohio state and Michigan number one. So uh, I mean, same It's probably number two. So yeah. I would put I, – I think LSU winning the SEC might actually put Tennessee – which is backwards to think about. But if LSU pulls that off, it's going to be hard to look at Tennessee and their absolute whooping of LSU and say that that's less impressive than what Georgia did to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I actually think, and I know that a lot of people don't like that. They don't like retroactively moving around all the pieces, but I, I'm telling you right now, I will do that. I don't, and I, I'm not somebody who's thought tremendously highly of LSU this season. Um, God, there's one player on that team who I think highly of, and that's the true freshman who should have been at Texas A&M, but decommitted Harold Perkins. Um, the, the, the joke that I've been making is the best player from the the Texas A&M Dream Team recruiting class is playing for LSU, and that's got to hurt, especially since Jimbo Fisher has had a myriad of problems this year. That would have been one decent solution is to keep him. But holy cow, four sacks this past week is a true freshman. Unbelievable. Um, as I just ramble and ramble on, I, I would actually have – Tennessee above Georgia, and I'm just, I'm just telling you that right now. Okay. If, if LSU does that, I'm going to view LSU differently, and I'm going to put I'm going to rearrange them. Tennessee above Georgia, if that happens. Otherwise, no, not at all. I respect it. Let's get into this trivia. And I would like to say it would have nothing to do with the Missouri game or the Kent State game. And truthfully, I'm getting tired of hearing about those games because that happened like two months ago. I'm getting tired of hearing about the Notre Dame game. God damn it. Okay, I, I keep bringing that up partially because I'm a Notre Dame fan. So it's a. I, I get it. That, that's part of it. That's part of it. All right. But Ohio, Ohio State and Michigan is going to set the entire tone for everything. We know that. Yeah. In this trivia. Yeah, I got one for you. Hey, how about this? Okay. Don't okay. know if you watched that Colt McCoy versus John Wolford game sure this weekend. Sure did. It had a much better use of my time. I sat on the couch and scrolled Twitter. Well, then you're probably not going to know this answer. Uh, if Colt McCoy and John Wolford went down, who would have been the two quarterbacks to replace them? Trace McSorley and – I know that. I know Trace McSorley's on the Cardinals. Yeah. 
I think he's the Rams' third stringer. I think he went in at one point. Rams' third stringer. Who was their third stringer last year? Or who was the backup last year? Was it Wolford? I know he's the guy. Yeah, didn't he play a playoff game like when he did? He played, years? beat Seattle, did he not? I don't know if he beat Seattle, but he played against them for sure. This could either be like a 15-year vet or like a rookie. <laughs> well, that's it. Because I, like I feel like they're pretty comfortable, obviously, with John Wolford being their backup. So, fuck. Um, who's a rookie? Who's a rookie from this previous year? It's not Dustin Crum. He's with the Chiefs. Played against him in high school. That's why I mentioned him first. Um, Christ, who was a rookie? What's his nuts from Utah State? Didn't make a roster. Saw him playing a preseason game. Pretty decent. Outdual Josh Rosen. I know that. Um, <laughs> shit, it could be Josh. You know what? Josh Rosen, just because I don't know the answer. <laughs> it's Bryce Perkins. Oh, God. Really? The dude from Virginia? Yes. The dude from oh. Virginia. All right. Um... Okay, here we go. Since when the Platinum Glove, which is awarded to one player in each league for best defensive player of the league, uh, was introduced in 2011, only four players from the National League have won it. I'll give you two of them. You have to give me the other two. Anthony Rizzo and Yadier Molina. Give me the other two. I heard Anthony Rizzo. I didn't hear the other name because there was a little bit of robot uh, voice. Yadier Molina. Those are the two, and I can name the other two. Yeah. Okay, one of them is 100% Nolan Arenado. And I, I knew you were going to get that, so correct. All right, so, I, and I, yeah, I had a feeling that you knew that that was obvious, so that means that this next person is going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, I should have said Nolan Arenado for one of my examples. Oh, well. I'm going to go with a guy who hasn't played in the National League in a few years, but at the time, I mean, my gosh, this dude was unbelievable. I'm going to go Angelton Simmons. I did not think you were going to get that. He was a beast with the he, he was an awesome defensive player. He's like one of the top 20 defensive players for defensive war of all time. It's crazy. He is? Good for him, man. Yeah, he's He great. was a highlight real player. Anyway. Let's effing go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. one nothing. Where did Brent Venables play college football? I feel like the answer is obviously not Oklahoma. So, let me dig deeper here. <laughs> oh, wait. I, I remember. I can't, I can't tell if this is an easy question or not. For me, it's a very, like, it's down the middle for somebody like me. Good, good. That's supposed to be fair. Yes. I know that I can picture a college game day segment with his old team because it was in the Big 12. Who was it? It wasn't Oklahoma State. Oh, it may have been Oklahoma State. It wasn't, it wasn't Texas. 
wasn't Christ, when did he play? That's another thing. Um That I actually don't know. I don't have it pulled up. I have, he could be forty five years old and I would believe you. Um not a bad guess. How old actually, is no, he? no, no, he has two kids in college. He's gotta be older than forty five. My dad no, never mind. My dad's older than that. A little bit, but not by much. Anyway, um <laughs> It, I feel like this was shown before he played a Big 12 team because I know I saw this and I'm like, oh, he played in the Big 12. I didn't know that. Um, my best guess right now is Oklahoma State, but it could be Texas Tech or probably wouldn't be either of the Kansases. Um Maybe Kansas State. I feel more confident with uh, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. I feel more confident with Oklahoma State. Is that your final answer? Yes. Kansas State. Ah, damn it. <laughs> By the way, shout out to them. The cash they're over on their win totals this week. Get on them. I had a lot. I'm actually having a good one. Michigan's cashed. That one's cashed. Texas cashed. The under on theirs. Clemson just needs to lose another one. TCU under six and a half certainly did not cash. Um, okay, this one. Go with this one. Which quarterback who previously started in a Super Bowl also started 11 games for the 2005 Cleveland Browns? Oh, 2005. And started a Super Bowl. Um, all right. So my first instinct is Trent Dilfer. Um, I just kind of – this is too late to be Holcomb. Holcomb didn't play in a Super Bowl. And neither did – No, no, he did not. I will. I will. <laughs> Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, I almost said Corey Holcomb. But I'm, I appreciate that. Kelly Holcomb. Um, this is pre-Brady Quinn, which Yo. means it was – Pre Derek, those two, of course, did not play in a Super Bowl. Did you say started a Super Bowl or played in a Super started. Bowl? Started. Okay. It could be any. It could have been past two thousand five. It could have been before two thousand five. It just started a Super Bowl. Right. 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 Virginia. Oh. This is this is news. Virginia may not continue their season. Wow. I I I don't know what their record is. I had, I had one friend send in the group chat <laughs> something regarding the point spread of that game as soon as that news broke. Oh, Jesus. Unsu- unsu- unsurprisingly. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, I think they play Coastal Carolina this weekend. Uh, let me see. They do. All right, we got two options. I know both played for the Browns. I just don't know who played when. We got Jake DeLum and we got Trent Dilfer. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I want to say Jake DeLum was after Brady Quinn. No. Because Jake, that would have been like, cause Brady Quinn stuck with the Browns until like 09 or something. And that was Derek Anderson. There's no way Jake DeLum was. 
No, because he hung with the Panthers for a long time. Yeah. All right. Oh, five. Trent Dilfer. I was hoping you were going to say Jake DeLone, but it is Trent Dilfer. All right. Who? I was hoping you were going to say Jake DeLone. I almost just like slid. I couldn't even think of anybody else for a second. Then I realized, oh my gosh, Jake DeLone. Oh. From, I think, from Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajun, I think. Really so. Him and Seneca Wallace really tore it up for the Browns that, in, like, 2011. Yes. Okay. We got a hustle. Uh, which team technically drafted Laurie Markkinen before his draft rights were traded away immediately after? Bryce. Um, he was he was a top-ten pick. I don't know. The Kings, the Suns, the Timberwolves. I, I thought the Cavs. I definitely would remember that. Maybe the Pistons. It's like the Timberwolves are always trading. Even the Timberwolves. Ding, ding, ding! Holy shit! They was, traded. They traded him to the Bulls. Hmm. It was either going to be. Them or uh, the Kings because they always just be trading. Anyway, do you know? Do you know who that trade was for? Chris Dunn. He was also in that deal, but the guy going the other direction. Oh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I remember Chris Dunn because I, I remember he was on the Cavs radar. Anyway, um, which one should I ask? Okay. Steph Curry, this previous NBA Finals, became the first point guard to win Finals MVP since this player did it in the 2000s. I in the 2000s. I I, I can do this. The first to do it since Steph Curry. Or the last to do it since Steph Curry. Hold on. Was it really Chauncey Billups? Because Tony Parker was in the 2010. Well, I guess he... Wait, 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 wait. Who won the other one? It was Kawhi Leonard was 14. Who won? No, wait, no. The, the Spurs only won one because the Heat beat him the year before. All right, so it's probably a lot of Kobe Bryant in the, in the 20 in, and Shaq and Dwayne Wade. All right, and Paul Pierce and Kobe Bryant again. So am I overlooking it? it probably Tim Duncan on those Spurs teams because they did the old – they did the old Alex Rodriguez. It was Spurs championships and A Rod MVPs, 2003, 2005, 2007. Uh, six was Dwayne Wade. Uh, Chauncey Billups, so four. It was Tony Parker against my beloved Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, I forgot. Oh, my. Well, you know what? I, I probably would have just assumed that Tim Duncan went three for three. So, yeah. Uh, that's okay. That's, at least I didn't entirely overlook. Because I know Tony Parker won. No, I holy! I just walked myself through this. I'm getting all confused all over again. Tony Parker was the only all-star in 2014. But Kawhi Leonard was the MVP. Okay. Yes. Now I'm, there we go. I knew Tony Parker did something of significance during that championship run. Okay. There we go. I ask you a question. This last question came down to... This or another question that contained Kawhi Leonard. I didn't, but I thought it would be too easy. What was it, just for fun? Three players have been named NBA Finals MVP twice since 2009. Name them. Probably LeBron. Kevin Durant. 
Oh yeah, I guess Kawhi. Le- well, Ka- I, Kawhi Leonard actually may have stumped me. I, I would have had to have gone back year after year, and it probably would have taken me a long time to re- even remember Kawhi Leonard on the Raptors. To be honest, it's actually four players. My bad. All right, I gotta head out. Hey, Francona won Manager of the Year. Good for him. That is good for him. All right, I gotta roll out of here. We're gonna have a good time. Uh, watch some college football this week. Hey, this is the down week. We're just getting ourselves pumped up, getting ready to go for a big college football week next weekend. Probably no podcast next week because it's Thanksgiving week. Yep. Um, maybe we do it super earlier in the week. Maybe not. Maybe just reconvene after the fact. But regardless, until I see you next.